we do that whole introduction thing, so when Jamie says, it is my joy, it's a cue for me to start moving. It takes me a little while to get moving, to get on up here. And uh, hello, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Those of you that are online, sir, put some pants on. We can sit. No, we can't see. We're so glad you're here. Ate too much turkey. I know it's hard to get you and the fam out of, uh, out of the doors for uh, the Sunday after. But I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad for what I get to talk about today. I'm going to talk about a cause for Thanksgiving. And uh, I, uh, I am excited about it. I hope you are too. Uh, time will tell, won't it? But let's just get into it. Number one, a gift can be overwhelmingly wonderful. Who's ever been gifted with anything that absolutely was overwhelmingly wonderful? Anybody here that you got a gift from somebody? Now, I I'd thought of several times in, in my life when somebody's gifted me and helped me, not just with money, but uh, open doors and opportunities and things like that. And I thought I had it beat until someone came this morning and during Thanksgiving, their son gave her a 2022 Lexus, free. And that person was my sister. And he knows he's got an uncle, you know, that, that no, 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 no. I mean, you know, that's, a, that, that's an overwhelmingly wonderful gift. Now, something happened here that I want to talk to you about. It's, the, it's, it's, it's a story that Jesus tells, and it's found in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And it says, as they continued onward toward Jerusalem. I, I guess I said it last night. I didn't mean to be cute, but I guess when you are, what can you say? Sorry. Jesus and his boys were on, his, on their way to Jerusalem. And so they, 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 they're heading, heading there. And they enter a village there. Ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, sir, have mercy on us. Now, these guys were what the Bible called them were lepers. They had leprosy. And so you wonder, is that disease still around? And yes, it really is. They don't call it leprosy so much anymore. They call it Hansen's disease. And in parts of Africa, in parts of Asia, uh, Hansen's disease is still there. In the day, it was incurable, and they believed it was incredibly contagious, which it still is. But it's, it's, they've got uh, cures for it, and they can control it anyway. But in the day, these guys had to stand off. That's why they yelled to Jesus across, because the Old Testament law says you're to be isolated, you're to be removed can't be around family because this thing's so contagious that uh, the leper colony, as it were, would just uh, overtake and kill all kinds of people. And so, but they yelled to Jesus, cried out, Jesus, sir, have mercy on us. Uh, and so next verse, he looked at them and said, go to the Jewish priest and show him that you are healed. And as they were going, their leprosy disappeared. Now, I remember Pastor Greg Johnson spoke here a few weeks ago or a few months ago, whenever it was, and he said the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord, and he said God usually does things when we're in movement. And when he said that, I don't remember the rest of the sermon. I'm sure it was lovely, but I remember that, that God moves when we move. It's while they're on their way to Jerusalem. As they're, they're heading there, uh, these guys uh, said, please help us. And, uh, and, and they did. And so as they were going on their way, their leprosy was healed. Verse 15, one of them came back to Jesus shouting, glory to God, I'm healed. He fell flat on the, on, on the ground in front of Jesus, thanking him for what he had done. Now, in the day, leprosy was the death sentence. There was no cure. You were isolated. You were ousted. You were all by yourself. And so the one of the guys that came back uh, was so grateful, and he fell down on his face, thanking God for what he had done. 
And, uh, and so then Jesus says something really interesting here. He says, the man was a despised Samaritan. Now, do you think the other nine, I think they stayed healed. I don't think Jesus says, well, if you're not going to even thank me, the Lord said, no, 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 no. They were healed. They were overwhelmed by an incredibly wonderful gift. When you've gone from being on your way to being dead to completely cured, I mean, you know, that is incredible. You know, they were partying at their house, happy, all this kind of stuff. One guy came back. Doesn't mean the others weren't grateful. They just didn't come back to thank him. And, uh, and so then Jesus points it out that this one that came back was the despised Samaritans. How many know racial tension isn't anything that's new? And so you usually tell folks that are speaking or talking around, don't talk about that. Stay off the subject. Too bad Jesus couldn't have come to my leadership training and learned how to be more culturally sensitive to other people. <laughs> Jesus says, this guy was a despised Samaritan, by the way, who came back to thank me. <laughs> now, Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews, and so... Uh, what, what really happened, I, I, I trust not to bore you with this. I won't go on and on and on. When I see eyes begin to roll, I'll go on to the rest, rest of the sermon. What happened is that uh, King Saul was the first king of Israel. Then there was David. Then there was Solomon. And Solomon built these huge temples and beautiful things and on and on and on. But to build that kind of stuff is very expensive. And so he used slave labor of other countries and his own people, taxed them way too much. And these guys were glad when Solomon was finally dead. So this, his son named Rehoboam, that's a good name, uh, becomes the king after Solomon. And so these guys go to Rehoboam and they said, you know, your dad was hard to work for. Uh, he made us work all these times and taxed us too much and just on and on and on. And so could you go easy on us? So Rehoboam says, let me think about it. So he goes and gets with the old guys and the old guy says, man, go easy on these people. If you will, they'll follow you forever. But if you don't, you're going to have trouble. Then he goes to his young buck friends, and they said, no, nah, no, nah, Solomon was bad. You be worse. Show them who's the boss. Take control and give these guys what they got to do. And so he saw, uh, Rehoboam brings them all together again. And he says, you think my dad was hard? You've not seen anything like working for me. I'm going to make it harder than you could ever imagine. And he goes on and on and on. And so Ten Tribe says, we're out. Much like Texas said, we secede from the nation. And we're no longer... Funny, funny Texas story. That's why the cowboys lost. No, just easy. So they seceded. And they say, you go be you and we'll go be us. And so you guys go be Judah. And that was two tribes, uh, Judah and Benjamin. And so the other 10 go to, uh, and where they is, where Israel now. And so when you're reading your Old Testament, sometimes you read Judah, sometimes you read Israel, and you wonder who's who, who's what. Well, that's what it was. 10 tribes seceded. And uh, you guys call yourselves Judah. We're really going to be the, the, the people of Israel. And so, uh, and so they, they went south. And so the uh, place to worship was at uh, Jerusalem. That's where the sacrifices were supposed to happen. And so Jeroboam, who became the king of this newfounded tribe, they're the ten tribes, says, I tell you, you guys don't have to go to Jerusalem. It's just too far. You know, the travel and the and Uber, you can't hardly get around in the city anymore. He gives them alternative places to worship, and so they did. And so Judah was going on, and Israel was going on. So you read sometimes the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, they were going on and on and on. And so then Nebuchadnezzar comes in and, and, and just dissolves all of Israel, conquers everybody, and doesn't care about the two different tribes, you know, and conquers everybody, takes the brightest and best to Babylon for 70 years, 
And so 70 years is over. They come back, and the guys that used to be in Judah said, let's all unite again, and we're going to be one Israel. And so they're going to build the temple. And the Samaritans said, the, the people who lived, the rest of them, were in Samaria, and they made the holy place uh, near Shechem. It's an Old Testament town, and it was on Mount Gerizim. So they were there and doing their thing. Uh, they come back, and, uh, and they said, let's build the temple. So the Samaritan says, yeah, let's do that. And the Jews said, no, 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 not you. Because what happened during the exile, <clears throat> you married some of those Gentile women, and you allowed those Gentile men to marry your daughters. And so, no, you guys aren't pure bloods anymore. Right. Really? In Israel, you're so righteous. <laughs> and said, no, 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 you can't be. So ousted they go from being part of the temple, and they start this little hate war between them, and they hated each other. Now, remember, the Jews were really into lineage. Remember when Matthew, they traced the lineage of Jesus, and Paul gave his lineage, and he said, man, I'm a pure Jew. I'm really one of the good ones. And these Jewish people were really into that kind of thing. And the Samaritans, they called them half-breeds because they're not really a Jew. They're just pretending to be Jews. They need to be Jews like us. And truth is, they were in Israel. They were called Israel a long time before any of this was going around. So the Samaritans hated them for it. And every time Jesus told a story, it seems like he made a hero out of these people that we don't even like. He tells a story about, uh, you'll, you recognize the story, this guy's on his way to do some business, and the thieves overtake him, they beat him up and leave him, and then a priest comes by, a Levite comes by, another guy comes by, and finally this guy comes by, and Jesus points out that he's a Samaritan. Boo, we hate him. But Samaritan turned out to be the good guy. And he helped him, and that's why we know the story as the good Samaritan. There are laws on the books today that are Samaritan laws that you can't get sued if you stop to help somebody, and they call it a good Samaritan uh, uh, law. Anyway, and so these were hated by him, but Jesus kept using them, and he says, nobody came back to thank me except this despised Samaritan. So Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the nine? There's only this foreigner return to give thanks to God. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus wasn't hitting their bias and prejudice more than he's really talking about Thanksgiving. Right. Just a thought, just a thought. God knows I would never touch that subject. I am not Jesus. He wasn't saying, after all I've done for you, it seems like the least. He wasn't doing that whole thing. He said, now there were 10 guys healed, and I believe the 10 guys uh, kept their healing. And he says, and only one came to return me. So Jesus said to the one, go, your faith has made you well. I think the other nine were happy too, but they were so enamored with the gift. They were happy about it. Wow, you wouldn't believe this thing. And they were so, so happy with the gift, you almost forget where the gift came from. Um, which takes me to point number two. Thankfulness is more than polite. It's pivotal. It's more than just learning to say thank you, which, which I hope you've, you've taught your kids and all that polite stuff, mismanners and all that stuff, learn to at least be civil and whatnot. I remember when my grandkids were younger, uh, Jenny had three children within two years, adopted two and had a biological one. And so when the kids are five, six, and seven, and you're coming along at Christmas time, and they're just, you know, you're opening a ton of gifts, and they're ripping things open and all that kind of stuff. When it was all over, Jennifer would say, now what do you say? <laughs> more <laughs> what do you say 
and they didn't have a clue, so they, she'd say, thank you, Grandpa, thank you, Grandma. So they would say, thank you, Grandpa. <laughs> and it got to be kind of a joke, and it was cute, and they were learning to be grateful and all that kind of stuff. So as they grew up a little bit and grew up to high school, they're, some are out of school, some are in college, some are still in high school. Now every time I give them a gift for Christmas and I know what will come, when I give them the gift, they, will, they go into that little monotone thing and they'll say, thank you, Grandpa. And I'm telling you, the gratefulness is just underwhelming. <laughs> so I, I think it's more than just uh, uh, being polite. I think that it's pivotal. And Romans 1, anybody ever read Romans 1? If you're feeling really good, read Romans 1, especially the last several verses, and it'll depress you if nothing else will. It says, although they knew God, Paul is talking, and they glorified, they, they neither glorified him as God. See, they weren't obedient. They didn't surrender. They knew about God, but they didn't glorify him as God, nor were they grateful. It seems like a, a small little, nor were they grateful. Really, that means a lot to you. It says, uh, it says, uh, you ever talk to anybody who wasn't grateful? You ever talk to anybody that says, I've never had anything done for me. Nobody's ever helped me. And you want to say, really? What do you have to be grateful about? And they'll think and think and think and just can't come up with anything. Nobody ever helped me. I've talked to people and they feel so abandoned. They feel so alone. I've talked to parents. I've talked to children. I've talked to couples. And on and on they go. I, I talked to a couple one time doing some counseling, which I don't do anymore because I don't do it very good, and uh, I just quit. <laughs> People had to go to counseling to get over my counseling, and so I, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so one couple just, she says, he never says you love me. He, he loves me. And the husband's frustrated. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. On and on and on. And they were a deadlock. And I said, so I turned to the guy, and I'll call him Fred. His name wasn't Fred. But I said, Fred, do you say that? And he says, I tell her I love her. I said, how often? He said, every day. And I said, every single day? He says, almost every day. And she said, no, he doesn't. Thank you. You made your point clear. And so I said to him and to her, I said, next time he says that, why don't you stop and say thank you I receive it. Next time he says, I love you, stop the conversation and say, thank you, I received that. And see how it goes. And no kidding, they started communicating that way whenever he would, not just words of affection, but any kind of I love you type of stuff, she would say, I, I thank you. I received that because a lot of people have had a lot of done for them, but because they're not grateful, they just don't see it. They don't recognize goodness when it happens to them. That's why a lot of folks never see any opportunity because I think it's a matter of gratefulness. Now, it's wonderful preaching to a whole bunch of you because if I said to you one-on-one, -on -one, you may get mad and punch me or at least throw water on me. The truth of it is a lot of folks feel that nothing's ever been done for them, nobody's ever helped me, and I'm just wondering, could it be, could it be maybe that you're kind of ungrateful and you don't see the help when it's given? Could it be? I'm not saying it is, but maybe a lot has been done for you that you just can't see. See, I think unthankfulness makes you blind. You don't or you can't see it. I think that's why it is pivotal. So look at Romans, continue on. Their thinking became futile and their foolish heart, hearts 
were darkened. They didn't glorify him God. They weren't grateful. And so what became the process of their foolish heart was darkened. And it doesn't happen overnight. It is a process where they, uh, they became futile in their minds. Their foolish heart was darkened. And it was a downward spiral. I'm not going to read it, but the, the, the end of Romans 1 says, God let them go and indulge them in all kinds of sexual sins. Every kind of wickedness, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting. Lying, bitterness, backbiters, haters of God, braggarts, always thinking of new ways of sinning. They tried to misunderstand, it says. Broke their promises, were heartless without pity. They did evil and encouraged everybody else to do the same. That's quite a, a downward spiral of a culture that goes to hell in a handbasket, as it were. And I think the, the pivotal point was they never learned to be grateful. Never learned to say, thank you, God. Never learned to say thank you to others. They became, and he goes on to say, they, they, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. See, uh, no offense, but a fool says that God never helped me. God was ever there for me. No one ever gave me a hand. See, in their wisdom, they became as fools. And so what you do at that point, you just create your own God. You just make your own God. <laughs> Isaiah 44 just tells a, he, I think it's a humorous story. He said, you, you wouldn't believe it. what this guy does. He goes into the, to the forest with his axe and he chops down a tree. And then he, he cuts it up and he chisels it. And, and with half the wood, he throws it in the fire and warms himself. Ah, I'm so warm. And with half the wood, he, uh, he cooks his food. and say, hey, nice fire. And then with the other half of the wood, <clears throat> excuse me, the other half of the wood, he builds it up, sets it up, and says, you are my God, now save me. Now, if that isn't stupid, I don't know what is. Half the wood that you created, that, that you chopped up, you cook for your food and warm yourself, and with the other, it's, it's, it's you are my God, save me. And it's the same kind of crazy thing that we Americans have that somehow we can create things and it's going to provide us and be a God to us and say, be my God and be my safety. You know, good things like a 401k. Ah, finally, I've got enough. And now I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm safe. Have you seen how those things can fluctuate? 900 points was lost this week. Anybody notice that? I did. How do you know that stuff can go up and down so fast your head can spin? And if you're trusted in something that was created by you, it's only as strong as you are. Thank you. I don't know, Pastor, and I'm not in the 401. Bitcoin, that's the way to go. That's the way for... <laughs> no wonder you're nervous. No wonder you're different. I'm not against Bitcoin. I'm all for Bitcoin and so on and so forth. But, uh, or the status, the company you built or the company you work for, they're rock solid and it'll never go away. Or Pastor, our own USA, like it's going to be here forever. Really? You trust in that? Something that's been created by mankind himself? It's as silly as the guy in Isaiah 44 making a god out of a tree. Number three. Thankfulness is acknowledgement that someone helped you. Thankfulness is the acknowledgement that someone helped you. 
Would you put the slide up, please, of the turtle on a fence post? Anybody ever seen that before? <laughs> if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know one thing. He did not get there by himself. He didn't get there by himself. Take the slide down. See, if you don't, if there's no gratefulness there. If you don't see the past as the gift that God gave, and I would just encourage you to, uh, the progression of things, is to look past the gift, and there's a hand that came with it. Sometimes a gift can be so enamoring. Whoa, wow, a new car. I mean, all those kinds of things can be so overwhelming that you might miss the hand that's in front of it, that's carrying it to you. How many know these lepers, these 10 lepers, they, they got healed, and I, I believe they stay healed, but how many know they still had problems in life? You've got problems, and you never had leprosy. So all their problems didn't go away. I talked to a guy one time that had a lot of money, and he says, people think because they have a lot of money, we don't have any problems. We don't have money problems, but we've got every other problem that, that families have, just not money problems. And so you think that if you can understand that there could be some more help that is needed in the future. And so just being enamored with a gift, if you can understand that it was brought to you by someone. I read a book not long ago, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, Won't Take You There. What got you here, whatever level of success you might think you're at, will not take you to the next level. Unless you understand it's by the hand of the grace of God and the hand of wonderful, wonderful people that helped you get to where you're at. That is what takes you to the next level. Tis grace that brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home. See, the truth of it is, anybody with any kind of success understands that there are a lot of wonderful people helping them. Last Friday, not a week ago last Friday, pastor from Flagstaff, they all get together and bring gifts to the to, to uh, 1,100 kids or 1,000 kids. So he called me and says, you guys have any gifts? And I said, have we got presents? He says, do you have 1,000 plus? And I said, yes, we do. I checked with Jamie to make sure we did, and we had a little trailer full of them out back. And so pastors from Flagstaff, there were four of them, came down with a truck and a big trailer and took 1,100 gifts at a very reduced price, by the way. I say took. And I said, the guy that gave them to us says, give them to needy families. And so what we've done is we're taking the money from that and giving to needy families. We give thousands of dollars every month. So when we're done, they're done loading them up. I'm just supervising, as it were. Super, done loading them up. They all gather around me and think, 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 oh, thank you, Pastor, thank you, Pastor, thank you, Pastor. And I said, like I did anything. It was the generosity of other people who stored these things, who brought them out, who give on a regular basis. Do you think that you get there by yourself? If you do, you're crazy. And if you do, you're probably not grateful. See, I think gratefulness is the, is the thing that lets you see opportunities when they're right there. If you've ever gone to the bank like I have in my younger years and wanted to borrow money, and they say, well, your credit's not very good. You wanted to borrow money before, and you were late and late and late and all this kind of stuff, and so we're not going to loan you money anymore it's for this particular car anyway. And I was so, I was so a great umbrage. 
And my dad says, thank God they didn't loan you the money, son. You didn't need that car. And I thought, what does he know? <laughs> and a couple years later, you look back, and that banker was my best friend, kept me from making a stupid mistake. Because that is your history. And your history of where you're going to go for your future is how you view your past. And if it's full of heart, full of gratefulness, God, you were really good to me. Lord, you sent me a family to help me. You gave me a great wife, gave me a great husband. But he's not that great. Learn to be grateful for what you've got. No offense, dear, I bet you're not either. Just teasing, just teasing. Uh, that was not for you online. Please don't uh, shut me off. Don't cancel me just yet. <laughs> Psalm 75 says, we give thanks to you, O God. For your wondrous works declare your mighty name is near. Psalms 105, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all of his wondrous works. Talk about him. And I think the first place you talk about him is in your self-talk. Where nobody else is listening. And your mind just running, 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 running. Do your mind run like that? That out of that comes wonderful things that God has done for you and you can recount story after story after story until you can bore your grandchildren at how good God has really been to you. Incredibly grateful. Thank you, Lord. I didn't deserve any of this good stuff. But Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you because your past is a projection of what's going to be in the future. So he says, relive it, retell it, remember it, reenact it, rehearse it, repeat it. Talk it aloud of the wonderful works that God has done. Learn to talk that way. I think thankfulness is something that is learned, and if you'll learn it, it really will help you. It'll open doors for you. Thankfulness is the bedrock for our future. Number four. What thankfulness does, number, let me just read it. Thankfulness will enamor you with the giver not just with a gift. When you've been given a gift, my word, hard not to just be enamored by the gift. And the Lord says, what I want to help you learn, Delmer, is that not just the gift, but there's a giver connected. So when you look at the gift, if you'll know that that was brought to you, that was the vehicle of that, it's usually people. Look at the hand. And then if you'll follow that hand right up the shoulder, you will see a face and you can connect the gift with a person. And you can love them. And if you've got a connection with the person, not just with the gift, it widens your life. And understand this is not the last gift I'm ever going to get. Second Corinthians. Paul is talking about the power of giving. Now, the Corinthian church had, had raised money for needy families, and there was poverty going on during that time. And uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 12 says, so two good things happen as a result of your gifts. Those in need are helped, and they overflow with thanks to God. He says two things happen. People that were hungry and poor they get the money, and, then they're, and they're so happy that they can eat again or whatever the deal is. And the second thing has happened is they overflow in thanks to God. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's why we're doing the, the ten wishes. We're not trying to make Life Community name that. They may or may not remember the name of the church, but they're going to remember that somebody in the, in the church world helped them and cared for them, and God must be legitimate. Remember Anthony Robbins? <laughs> you don't want to listen to him talk because he's pretty rank, but he wrote a book. Uh, I forget the name of it. read it several years ago, and he was talking about money, and he said he was raised so poor they couldn't eat, they were starving. And he says some church came on Thanksgiving and gave them a food box. And I thought, how many food boxes we've given away? And you never know if you've given one to Anthony Robbins type of people or not. And he says, I remember that. And as a poor child with a single mom, if I ever got a chance that I would return that gift, and I thank God. He says he thanks God because he believes that God brought that to him. And he turned out to be a bazillionaire and he's given millions and millions and millions of dollars away to needy families. But people's connect the gift that you got with a God that cares about them. Several years ago, and I wish we could do it every year, we can't. Leading Edge Academy, uh, we, the state did some wonderful things and gave us extra money. And we ended up with $300,000. And I went to the board and I said, you know, we, we're always on a tight budget. We give a little Christmas gift to our teachers and staff and, and workers. And I said, why do you say we give all $300,000 away to our people this year? And they all agreed we're going to do that. We didn't, I didn't tell anybody. We had them all in this room. There were 200 plus people. And we usually give about $100 away. And this year, the, uh, that year, the average went to about, about $1,500, some even $1,800. And so, I, how many know when you're preaching the gospel, when you're giving people money, you can preach the gospel and they won't get mad? <laughs> and I knew I had an opportunity, and so they were all here, and I said, you know, God gave us his best when he sent Jesus as, 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 as the Savior of the world, and so Leading Edge wants to give the best to you, and so we passed out those gifts and they're not all as sanctified as they should be. And I heard one of them said, they opened it up and they saw the check and they said, holy. <laughs> you, you fill it in yourself, you know. And, and, and oh, Pastor, I'm sorry. I said, I'm so happy. And one guy said, I was an agnostic. Until today, he said, I had a particular need. I needed exactly this much money. And it was between 15 and 1800. And, and I told that story last night at the East Mesa campus, and there was a teacher there. She said, I remember it, and we had such a terrible need that year. We didn't know what we were going to do. And then we get this $1,500 check. Guys, we're not doing that again this year. I'm so sorry. But she said, it was life-changing. And they say, thank you, Leading Edge. But really, the thanks goes to God. That's why we're doing all these things for all these people. Is we're not trying to make, you know, be cool and suave and all that kind of stuff. Thanks goes to God, and people's lives are changed because they connect the gift to God, that God knew where I was at. That teacher said, God knew where I was at, and I didn't even know if he existed. So I started preaching that just right there. No, I didn't. <laughs> and he goes on to say, Paul says, and it's, um, those you help will be glad not only for your generous gifts to themselves and to others, but they will praise God for this proof that your deeds are as good as your doctrine. How many know our deeds need to be as good as our doctrine? We ought to walk, to walk and talk to talk or whatever they say. Verse 14, 
And they will pray for you with deep fervor and feeling because of the wondrous grace of God shown through you. Thank God for his son, his gift, too wonderful for words. Takes me to number five. Thankfulness has a cascading effect for us. Romans 5.8, your bulletin says God shows. A better translation is God demonstrates. God put on a demonstration of his love for us. God demonstrates his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right with in God's sight, by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. I don't know how many of you were raised in a little Pentecostal church. I was. My dad was a pastor, but we had evangelists come all the time because my dad was a good preacher, but not that good of a preacher. <laughs> my mom was a better preacher, but in those days that was a sin, so we couldn't have women actually speak. <laughs> so we'd have evangelists come often, and they, uh, I remember when, Okay, if you, if you want to go to hell and burn forever, raise your hand. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. But if you'd like to go to heaven, enjoy the blessings of joy unspeakable and full of glory, raise your hand. So we'd raise our hand. So he said, all those with your hand in the air, come on forward. And so uh, we didn't want to go to hell. Uh, we just wanted to go to the movies and couldn't do that. But Because uh, if you'd gone to the movies and Jesus came in there after, he wouldn't go in there after you, so you go to hell anyway. <laughs> These guys had the theology worked out. So the, the gift is more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. Amen. Unless that's all you see. And that's the way some people talk, well, boy, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Well, no, you are. Did a memorial service here yesterday. Uh, Howard's brother passed away, went to heaven. We believe that. Well, I believe in heaven and, 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 and hell. None of us are sure what it's like, but, but we believe in all that. But he says, it's, you've been made right in God's sight. He will certainly save you from God's condemnation. What a gift. Don't have to go to hell. Yay! And like the TV commercial, but there's more. There is, yes, there is, Paul said. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship. What? Yes, new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So it goes from the gift of eternal life. Wow. None of us deserve that. Wow. But you see a hand that brings it, the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. And it comes to a face. And all of a sudden you recognize it was Jesus who did that. You're connected. And then even beyond that to the very heart of the giver. The gift was wonderful, but you know what you really got out of it? You're a friend of God. What? Yeah. A friend of God. You and God can hang around. You and God can go places. You and God can, can do what friends do. You become a very friend of God. The heart of God's relationship. Some people never do see good when it happens. I'm convinced there's opportunities in front of us all that sometimes we just can't see. Somebody else can see them. 
somebody else swoops in and takes it and does well. And you think, why didn't I see that? And I don't want to condemn you, but it could be you're not very grateful. Because I think gratefulness of what God has done in the past opens the door to see possibilities in the future. It's like it's a bedrock for the future. Thank you, God. You've, you've, you've not just the gift of salvation, but you've made me a friend of yours that you and I can hang around together. And I'm not meaning to drop names, but when you're hanging around with God Almighty, you don't have to drop names anywhere. You can be friends with some of the lowliest people in the world and not ever wonder because you are an associate of the eternal God. You are friends with the eternal God. And I think gratefulness is the pivotal key that helps us see what's in front of us. John, come on back. We're going to wrap it up. God uses gifts, help from Christians and non-Christians. It doesn't have to be just from church folks. No, no, no. God delivers wonderful things to me often through the hands of people who don't even know him because God is like that. He can use those who are willing and those that are ignorant. And he does it all the time. I think gratefulness is a learned response. And it starts with being grateful for what you have now. Is there anything to be thankful for? No, 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 okay, you don't see it. Is there anything to be thankful for? Maybe you could express that to the people that you're grateful to. Maybe the people that brought you into this world. Maybe the people that helped you get to where you are. I often think of the wonderful people that I pastor. You sitting right here. You out there online. I hope, I really do hope that I express my gratefulness as deeply as I'm grateful. You don't have to be here. better, bigger, cooler churches around. But thank you. Those of you online, there's better preachers online, I'll guarantee you. I could name them. But you're here. Thank you. See, I think gratefulness will go a long way to help you get to where you want to be. So you begin with the gifts that are directly in front of you. And maybe you're online or maybe you're here and you've never really opened your life to the gift of salvation, to the gift of Jesus, to the one who died for you. You've all, maybe you were brought up in a, in a home or in a, an environment where you got to make it on your own. Ain't no free lunches in the world, boy. Maybe you were brought up in that kind of an environment where you were taught to be self-sufficient, Get her done. Make it happen. And so for you to rely on the help of someone else just goes against everything you've always believed. Matter of fact, you may be a little critical of those who do. But to rely on the one who brought you eternal life, to lean on him, to rest in him, to put your trust and confidence in him to acknowledge that he is your God and that you are not your own God but 
he is. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these dear people that have come today. And Lord, we do acknowledge you as being our Savior, as being the gift giver. And we are eternally grateful for your wonderful gift of love, salvation, and eternal life. So bless, I pray in Jesus' strong name. Amen.